You're listening to the voice of Rowan Prof Sports. Rowan Radio, 89.7 WGLS-FM, Glassboro. Rowan Radio, 89.7 WGLS-FM proudly presents Offsides, a weekly roundtable discussion about the world of professional sports, featuring the diverse perspectives of the Rowan Radio Sports Department. And now, here's your host, WGLS-FM Sports Director, Danny Ryan. Rowan Radio, 89.7 WGLS-FM. You're tuned in to RowanRadio.com, Channel 2. On this Friday, December 16th edition of Offsides, I'm your host, Danny Ryan, joined across, side, or across the desk, I should say, from Justin Locke. Oh my God, I cannot speak today. Justin Locke. And across the, I always like to call it the glass bubble, across the room in the conference studio, Jack Miller and Aiden Butler. Thank you all for joining me here today as we get set to talk a wide variety of professional sports news. And we'll start off kind of foreshadowing how we're going to start off today's episode. It's going to be with Thursday Night Football. Um, Obviously, we have to debrief last night's matchup that really became close at the end. It was never really a close game, but last minute, the Seahawks mounted a fourth quarter comeback, made things interesting. And so we'll talk and start off debriefing that game, what the playoff outlook looks like for the Seattle Seahawks moving forward. And then there's some New York Yankees news. They signed a big arm yesterday in Carlos Rodon in free agency to add to Garrett Cole, Nestor Cortez, um, Luis Severino, and Frankie Montas. So one of the better rotations, it's at least looking like on paper in baseball right now. And then we'll finish off with a little bit of New York Jets moves and then uh, or transactional or roster, I guess, transactional moves, and then uh, we'll get into our top five Super Bowl contenders following the Eagles and 49ers clinch of the playoff spots, but we'll start off, like I mentioned, with Thursday Night Football. The San Francisco 49ers defeat the Seattle Seahawks 21-13 behind 200-plus yards through the air and two touchdowns by Brock Purdy. George Kittle scored two touchdowns, and the 49ers were able to hold them off in the fourth quarter after a comeback was mounted, I think it was about three and a half minutes left in that fourth. Um, So, Justin, I'll start with you. We talked about that fourth quarter comeback. We talked about how Brock Purdy was able to lead them to yet another victory. First win against a Super Bowl quarterback in Tom Brady's. Won seven of them, or I believe six actually. And then you have Pete Carroll, a Super Bowl winning head coach he takes down last night. Where? Did, how far do you see this team going in the playoffs? Honestly, I think that Brock Purdy and the 49ers can possibly make it to a Super Bowl. That's kind of a crazy take, but I think they're going to be a top four team in the NFC and going into the playoffs. And if they can somehow find a win against the Vikings, Cowboys, the Eagles, they could easily make it into the Super Bowl. If Debo comes back as well, CMC is, of course, great. Brandon Ayuk, they have, they have, they have a really strong roster. And that pass rush is unbelievable as well. I mentioned they also got a pretty good performance from George Kittle last night, two touchdowns for the star tight end. He had been kind of absent majority of the season. He had a few breakout games, but he's been known to kind of convert into the blocker role for that 49ers team this year when you have, you know, Debo. They formerly had Jeff Wilson and Christian McCaffrey now, obviously. And so all those guys are either, you know, McCaffrey's healthy, but Debo's hurt. They lost a lot in the passing game, and now they rely on him. He got two touchdowns to lead them to victory. Jack, what was your opinion on last night's Thursday night football game? Uh, one, from the perspective of the 49ers, how far do you think they can go? And has Seattle played themselves out of a serious playoff spot? I mean, Seattle was at a good spot within the start of the season, and they have fallen them uh, fallen themselves into a hole, and they're now 7-7. Seven and seven. But I think at this point, 
I don't. I can't really tell, honestly, if Brock Purdy is the guy that you want or for any team to want as a quarterback because at this point, any quarterback or like any quarterback can look good with this 49ers team, especially with the way that their defense is looking, both uh, passing and especially rushing. So, I mean, 21-13, solid victory for the 49ers against uh, Seattle, but this, the San Francisco defense is one of the best defenses I think we've seen in a very long time. And I mean, any team, can, any team that you like, any offense that you put with that San Francisco defense will win you games no matter what. Yeah, I mean, it's a very valid point. It's a hard point to argue because they've shown it just week in and week out on the football field, and they've shown that no matter the quarterback back there. I mean, Trey Lance only got a game and a half uh, to really prove what he could do this season, but Jimmy G led them all the way to this point, and Brock Purdy, a guy who had a lot of talent and firepower with him in high or high school, college. Uh, not a lot of people thought it would translate to the NFL, and it has when he's in the right system. Now, a lot of quarterbacks would, su- would succeed in Kyle Shanahan's system with those pieces, but Aiden, a nice win last night after what looked like it could have been a collapse for the San Francisco 49ers. Just take me through your initial reaction uh, and what you've seen from Brock Purdy that you've liked so far. Uh, I'm not going to lie. Uh, ever since that Bucks game, before that Bucks game officially started, I was doing a lot of Brock Purdy hating. Not really sure why. <laughs> I think that has something to do with, uh, I'm a big college football fan, so I was well aware of his last year at Iowa State. wasn't too great, wasn't horrible or anything like that, but I thought Tom Brady, you know, was the rookie quarterback killer. Turned out that didn't happen. And then after, my excuse after that one was, well, he hasn't played in the away game yet. And then he went into Seattle and did what he did yesterday, and he's very decisively proved me wrong, um, word by word, but it's quite surprising. Me personally... I'm thinking an NFC Championship game, uh, is there limits for them with what they have? Uh, really, for me, that depends on if Debo is able to come back or not, because that injury was quite serious, the way his leg twisted. Not normal at all, but uh, the ceiling for me for this Brock Purdy-led 49ers team is an NFC Championship game. Now, there have been some discussions, and it's very, very unlikely that Jimmy Garoppolo could come back for a playoff game, whether that mean it be in the second, third round, who knows. But there's been some rumblings, and Kyle Shanahan was quick to kind of debunk it and say, hey, you know, it's on the table, but it's barely on the table because they have no idea what his timetable looks like. If Jimmy Garoppolo were to come back, do they emerge as these Super Bowl favorites? I mean, at that point, you still have to work your way back into playing shape. You have to work your way back into playoff football, which not a lot of people come back from injury and just succeed tremendously in playoff football. Justin, what would that be like if you were to come back at that point in the season after missing that that much time and Brock Purdy won over the fans? I still think if Jimmy G comes back into the lineup, I I think they're kind of the same. I think regardless of who the quarterback is, a a good quarterback is going to be able to take this team to the NFC Championship. They were in the NFC Championship last year with Jimmy G going against the Rams. I I think that same, same can happen this year. But I do think regardless... If they get just a one good win, they could get into the Super Bowl. That's that's my thoughts on that. Yeah, it's it's going to take a lot, I think, defensively, and they could. Who knows? Will they will themselves to a uh, Super Bowl and win it behind a lackluster quarterback or a quarterback that doesn't really separate himself, just like the Broncos did in 2013. Who knows? It's definitely a possibility. They were led by Peyton Manning, however, and I mean he's on a different level IQ wise, but we all know his best days were behind him when he reached that Super Bowl against Cam Newton, um, but. Jack, I'll go back to you, and I I mentioned a little bit as far as the Seahawks and their chances to make the playoffs. Now, they're currently ranked as the number eight spot in the NFC right behind the seven and five, or pardon me, seven, five, and one Giants and Commanders. 
The remaining schedule is not pretty. I mean, they're taking on Kansas City next week, the New York Jets the week after that, and then the Rams, who, yeah, they're not great this season, but Baker Mayfield proved that he could will uh, out a win against a decent Raiders squad. So what are your expectations for this Seahawks squad just as far as if they were to make the playoffs? Do you see them overtaking the Giants or Commanders? I mean, the Giants are on a huge downfall right now where they've kind of put themselves in a collapse situation where I wouldn't be surprised if Seattle came in. But the team that I'm looking at is the Lions because that Lions team is fired up right now. I want now. them to make it so bad. I, I think everyone does. And I think that the Lions definitely have the great opportunity to uh, to overtake both Seattle and I would say the New York Giants and probably take that seventh seed uh, in the NFC because they're really fired up and they can and they've proven that they can win games they're five and one they're past six so they they they've proved that they can that they can play football and I, I mean see looking back at Seattle it's their schedule with the Chiefs Jets and Rams I see them beating the Jets because Geno wants to beat his former team and I see them being beating the Rams as well so I think they're going to go two out of three on that, but I think they're going to fall short due to the Lions being all all fired up, and they're going to find a way to uh, snag that six or seven seed. You know, do we, do we all remember when uh, Dan Campbell was on the hot seat, like towards the middle of the season? They were yeah. at what, like a one in six record, I think it, I believe it was, and uh, yeah, yeah, that he's definitely put that to rest as of late. He's talked about it too. He said like, I knew I was on the hot seat. Yeah, not anymore. <laughs> it's it's so. perfect. I mean, when you have a guy that that is that passionate, but also that confident. I mean, you go just back to week one when they only lost by three points to the now 11-1 and one Eagle, or pardon me, 12-1 and one Eagles. That's not a bad win at all when you look at it in hindsight, and they've kind of just kept putting those performances together. They kept putting those performances together against serviceable squads, and so they've done a pretty good job this year, and I wouldn't be surprised, like Jack said, to see them snag that spot. But as far as Geno Smith goes um, and what you said about, you know, just taking uh, the games against the Jets and the Rams. He's been, I wouldn't say by any stretch, bad in his past few games. Uh, you know, 238 yards, one touchdown last night, um, and then 264 with three touchdowns and two interceptions. But is it crazy to say that Brock Purdy outplayed Geno Smith last night? I mean, they won by a touchdown. I mean, it's, I don't think it's insanely crazy to say. It's not that crazy. I mean, because it's just the fact that Geno Smith's getting collapsed, uh, his offensive line's collapsing on him. So it's, yeah. it's just the fact that the 49ers defense is just outplaying the offensive line and everyone else on Seattle's offense. Not Brock Purdy doing it. It's the yeah. 49ers doing it. That's what makes Purdy look good. And anyone, any quarterback that steps on the field for the 49ers look good. It's because that defense mm -hmm. is able to outplay the other offense that they're going against. It's not Brock Purdy doing it. It's the defense. We'll talk about uh, you know these sort of systems and these defenses a little bit later on in the show, when we get to our top five Super Bowl contenders after the Eagles and 49ers clinch playoff spots. But, Aiden, I want to pose this question to you before we move on from segment number one on Thursday Night Football. We talked about Brock Purdy and the system he's in, making him look so, you know, just efficient back there and they're protecting him so well that he has time to make those right decisions being such a young quarterback. And a similar topic has kind of arose or arisen. I don't even know how you want to say it, but with Jalen Hurts and the system he's in and as a Philadelphia Eagle if he's benefiting solely off of the coaching and the system he's in with the offensive line his weapons Michael Parsons had a few words to say about Jalen Hurts and you know is it really Hurts or is it the team as an unbiased take as you can muster what do you think about that that argument I mean do you think Hurts truly is this amazing quarterback he's made out to be or is he just benefiting terrifically from the system because he knows how to utilize it Unbiased was a key word in there. Yeah, unbiased. Um, halfway through the season, I was like, it's a little bit of him and the team, but 
after the uh, the most recent weeks, um, say the last three or four, he's definitely it's that's still both of them, but he has definitely made the leap from where he was yeah. last year to this year. The I haven't first of all this season he has not had a bad game, and we can talk about that if you guys want. But he three this, interceptions this season he has not had a bad game. The Commanders game he did not play bad that game. He's doing better than Carson Wentz did in twenty seventeen. Yeah, stats wise. But oh, I didn't think of that. Uh, that's wow. we do have to take into consideration <laughs> yeah, the teams as well. I mean, yeah, Wentz had a good yeah. team, but yep, he, he did. did not have near the defense that, that Hurts has. So, you know, when you take that into consideration, it makes Wentz stats look a little bit better. But he did have the offensive line, and not to the level of weapons that Hurts has had this season, but pretty darn close as far as you had a pretty good Alshon Jeffrey. They picked up Jay Ajayi. He already had the uh, freight train in Legarrette Blunt, and so he had a lot of guys he could throw to. Uh, Zach Ertz as well with a retiring Brent Selleck. So it, it's just kind of funny to bring that up because you talk about these systems and how they make quarterbacks look great. There's also not a problem with a quarterback being good in the system. Yeah, people, I mean, the system is designed. to make it like there's an issue with that. But. Yeah, the system is designed around Jalen. That's the thing. Exactly. Like, they make it work with him because they know he can be so explosive and you can't only you know guard A.J. Brown, Devonta Smith, Think about Miles Sanders catching in the backfield and also guard Jalen Hurts scrambling out of the pocket for 10 yards on command. You just can't. It, it, there's not enough defenders in the field. And so spies aren't really helping against Jalen, and he's been designed to really thrive in this system the best he can. Um, but I do agree with you, Aiden. He has uh, definitely taken a leap, in, at least in the passing game uh, the past few weeks. He's looking more like rookie Jalen Hurts when he was carefree with Doug Peterson and that whole mess, um, just slinging it downfield. But before we... End things off here on our Thursday Night Football opening segment. Justin, I know you talked about you could see them going all the way to the Super Bowl with Brock Purdy. Um, you could see them, probably at the very least, everyone could see them you know, making the NFC Championship. If it were to come down in the NFC Championship to the Eagles and the 49ers, which that's what it looks like on paper right now, but the NFL is a crazy place, who do you think wins that matchup? I mean, the Eagles are going to be favored, no doubt about it, but you talked about it. Brock Purdy has looked good in that system, and it looks like he can make the right decisions. If it's the Eagles and the 49ers, I would say that the Eagles would win. If the Eagles don't make somehow the NFC Championship, I think the 49ers are going to the Super Bowl. That's my honest opinion. So you think they could take down every other NFC team if, if they you know went up against them? I think it's definitely it's a good it's a good question. I would think <laughs> I mean Dallas is definitely I think Dallas could make the Super Bowl, but every year mm-hmm. we think Dallas is going to make a run and they don't. So I think even Minnesota could make a run. I I just think one of those four teams going to the Super Bowl most likely. I mean, unless the Lions pull off the Cinderella story of the the year. But I honestly do think it'll be Eagles in the Super Bowl if if they – I mean, I don't – because I don't think the 49ers could beat them. They could beat the Cowboys, but I – that's that's low chance as well. Yeah, it is. I mean, when you have an offense that separates itself like the Cowboys offense does, just as far as veterans go with Dak Prescott making the decisions back there, you've got a few other receivers and stuff that can expand the game and then obviously the two-headed monster in the backfield. It would be a tough match for them, but I agree with you. They probably could pull that off. The Vikings, that's a close one. I don't know. That's kind of a toss-up. But the rest of the NFC is really just a cakewalk. I mean, the Seahawks are the only other team competing along with the Commanders and Giants. Um, you know, you can never doubt Tom Brady in the playoffs, though. Six and seven right now for Tom Brady. So the AFC South, though, is like a coin toss at this point. It is. I mean, the Panthers could win it. 
Yeah, I know the Panthers could win. That's, the Saint, the Saints could yeah. win it with Dalton. Like it's yeah. hopefully and that Falcons happen. could Marriott, win it. Like the, who's the Falcons starting now? Mariota Desmond left. Ritter. Yeah, Mariota left. So yeah. I mean, well, like the Falcons could make it. They did. Like, they did uh, brew up that story a little bit farther than it actually was. He left to go get a few opinions on his knee for an orthoscopic surgery, and then it got blown up. Oh, Mariota's left because he's frustrated. He got benched. No, I mean it was kind of an injury that. Uh, forced him to get benched, I think, a little bit. I didn't but, even uh, know he was injured. Oh. Yeah, I saw the press conference. It wasn't much, you know, so much the injury that forced him to get benched because he probably could have played through it, but um, they just decided to go with Ritter because the season wasn't going the way they, they liked it, obviously. But, yeah, an interesting topic to kind of discuss as far as the NFC that is wide open. Anyone could really make a run at it. But with that being said... We're going to take a quick step off here on the Friday edition of Offsides. And before we take a quick step off, we're going to check the WGLS community calendar. The Samaritan Center is a program that helps Glassboro residents with economic difficulties by providing free food once per month. You can give back to your community by donating food, clothes, or by volunteering your time. Email glassborofoodbank at gmail.com or visit online at glassborofoodbank.org for more information. This community calendar is brought to you by Rowan Radio 89.7 WGLS-FM, your source for community news and information. Don't go anywhere. More offsides right after this as we bring up Carlos Rodon and his signing with the New York Yankees. This is the story of a very special woman. Just a few knew about her superpowers. In a matter of seconds, she turned herself into a great mathematician. She masqueraded as a regular person at work, but as a superhero at home. Everyone knows her as Gabriella. I still call her mom. Your hero needs you now, and AARP is here to help. Find the care guides you need to help, complete with tips and resources at aarp.org caregiving. Brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. The workday's done. It's time to hit the road. That's where Rowan Radio comes in and the ride at 5. Tune in from 5 to 6 p.m. for the music that matters and the songs you want to listen to. Give us a call or send us a text, and if we've got it in store, we'll play it over the air. But if you just can't get enough of the 70s, 80s, 90s, and beyond, let us pick the music while you drive. That's the ride at 5, Monday through Thursday from 5 to 6 p.m. only on the station with more music than anyone else. Rowan Radio, 89.7 WGLS-FM. Wake up with Rowan Radio for the Early Bird Special. Every weekday starting at 7 a.m., our hosts will help you get through your morning with entertaining stories and special giveaways, plus news, weather, traffic, and, of course, the music that matters. Start your day off right with the Early Bird Special every Monday through Friday from 7 to 9 a.m., only on Rowan Radio 89.7 WGLS-FM, also online at rowanradio.com. You're tuned in to this Friday edition of Offsides right here on rowanradio.com channel 2 with your host, Danny Ryan, as I'm joined alongside Justin Locke, Aiden Butler, and Jack Miller as we discuss everything you need to know in the wide world of professional sports. And we'll pick up with a big signing that occurred a little bit later last night towards the 8 o'clock hour. And it was Carlos Rodon, the former San Francisco Giants starting pitcher, came from the Chicago White Sox to the San Francisco Giants. And now he'll be heading to the Bronx to play for the New York Yankees. They signed him for a six-year, $162 million contract to join Garrett Cole, uh, the likes of Nestor Cortez, Luis Severino, 
and Frankie Montas. And fellas, I talked about this at the start of MLB, MLB free agency, but if the Yankees could add an arm like Rodon to make Severino go towards the back of that rotation, have less pressure on him towards the four maybe five spot even though Severino's never really going to take a five spot but if you can push the talent back in that rotation a little bit by adding a big arm well it was going to do wonders for the team and they do exactly that the question is though after signing Aaron Judge they still lack a few bats I mean it's it's kind of tricky in that lineup right now what do the Yankees have to do to really solidify themselves as one of the top competitors in the AL I would say maybe even pick up I don't know if Dansby Swanson has been picked up but I think you could, you could throw him in there maybe I know they have Glaber Torres, obviously, but I think the big thing is bats in the playoffs. I mean, they had 99 wins last year. The Yankees looked like it was going to be them or the Astros going to the World Series, and Houston absolutely whooped them in that ALCS, swept them. So I would say it needs some more bats. Obviously, Donaldson's there, but he's a little older. He's not the MVP that he was. But, yeah, I this rotation's looking solid, honestly. So they're definitely going to probably obviously reach the 100-win uh, threshold and Hopefully they can maybe get a, a World Series out of this. Yeah, and Jack, I talked to, I believe it was Jordan Weisinger in the uh, Roan Radio Sports Department chat because he was just uh, ecstatic about the signing of Carlos Rodon. He's a Yankees fan alongside Sam Prince. And I said, yeah, it's definitely one of the best rotations in baseball if healthy. A guy like Garrett Cole could battle his fair share of injuries from time to time. Uh, Rodon had a few injuries in his past. Severino, we know about his history. And then Montas straight up was not good last year yeah. after he went to the Yankees. And so... It, there's definitely a lot of potential there, but they have to play their cards right when it comes to this keep guys healthy and train them right this offseason. Would you already rank this rotation up there as one of the best in baseball? I mean, you can't. Like, it's it's already a conversation where it is. Like, that's the truth. Like, because that's what the Yankees needed. They needed an arm, like, as you said, like Rodon, to uh, be in that rotation to signify that you have good pitching status in, uh, on, on the New York Yankees. So, I mean, yeah, uh, one of the best, you're not wrong, but I think that there are a few teams that could definitely argue with that. Um, but, I mean, the Yankees are doing pretty solid right now trying to get that pitching solidified, especially that starting pitching uh, spot, because you saw that, that that was a big struggle for them in the playoffs because you you only had Garrett Cole, and then your two was Severino. I mean, I don't think, I don't think any team kind of wants their two to be Severino. So having him be pushed back is what uh, the Yankees need to have uh, some good arms uh, starting on the mound for each game. Well, now you take a look at this roster and you just take a look at the salary cap breakdown. Garrett Cole is making $36 million next year. Giancarlo Stanton, by the way, is making $32 million. Just an absurd contract at this point in his career, and they can't even move on from him yet. He's not like an aging, aging vet. He's only 33 and I don't think anyone's going to ever take this contract unless the Yankees pay at least half of it. So that's a bad position they're in. And then Carlos Rodon is added with $22.8 million next year. Josh Donaldson is owed $21 million. So if you can clear Stanton and Donaldson, you have some room to work with here. But no one's going to take that salary straight up for what the talent that they're getting. You might get a team that agrees that if you pay $10 million of Stanton's contract, they'll take him because he's still got a little bit of power. But it's a tough position to be in if you're a Yankees fan. You're committed to those two guys. How do you try and move on from them, Aiden, if you're Brian Cashman? Uh, the way I see it, if I'm Cashman, the way he likes to deal things, he likes to move guys, but with that type of contract, and there's one thing in life I'll never understand, and it's money in baseball, the way tax, the luxury tax and all that works with it. But uh, what you said, 
he's 33 going on. I, yeah. I doubt anybody would want to take on a contract like that as, unless, like you said, somebody plays, pays at least half. It would have to be a situation where he is the missing puzzle piece to a already great lineup. Like, say the Red Sox pick up Dansby and they get a few other pieces they need a DH. Maybe they, you know, they'd never trade for uh, a DH making Yankees. that amount of money is historic right it, there. It's absurd, yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah, roster-wise, I don't I – don't, this year, I don't believe like they would think about moving on from him yet. Um, they did just uh, Ben Intendi uh, signed with yeah. the White Sox, so now they've got a spot to, that they need to decide on out there in the outfield. Um, but age wise and money wise, uh, I don't see him moving on with from them this season, to be exact. Yeah, it's it's a very nice signing, uh, signing Carlos Rodon, and we're talking about really just solidifying that lineup and if they if they're able to do that then they can convince me as one of the top teams in the MLB just as far as in the AL goes at least but you mentioned that loss of Benintendi in the outfield they're now starting Oswaldo Cabrera which isn't awful in left field um it goes Cabrera and then Bader in center and Judge in right field with Stanton DHing this lineup just on paper is still going to compete but they didn't really get any better aside from Rodon they're the yeah. same team. They need one more signing that like that's a bat because I mean you have you've you got Rizzo back, you got Judge back, but you also need like a middle infielder. To only thing I can think of honestly is if you were to package a old guy like I mean I'm not old, but Donaldson or Stanton. No, you can't. No, the thing with the Yankees is that they have age. Like they have that huge age problem. You can't sign a guy that that's like a veteran or something. You have to get like a young guy like Swanson. Well, that's what I'm saying. Only possibility. I mean, unless they were to go well over the luxury tax. Maybe packaging a guy like Donaldson with a Kiner Falefa, so there's some value as far as the young player goes, maybe a few more prospects, international signing money, whatever it may be, to clear cap and get some pitchers in return and then try and sign a Swanson or something like that. That's Because you know, if you think about some of the top position players left on the market, it really just comes down to Dansby Swanson at this point as far as the middle infield goes. Yeah. And so if they were to add through free agency via that, they probably have to target the likes of him. Um, well, I know Aaron talked about Correa on Wednesday. But what were you, you going to say, Jack? I think they should sign or try and trade, like as you said, one of those guys mm-hmm. um, to someone like the Cubs. Because here's my reason about this: is because the Cubs have Nico Horner, right? Nico Horner is this solid bat, right? And he's doing pretty much the exact same thing as Swanson is. And Swanson's getting paid ten million, and Nico Horner's getting paid seven hundred thousand. Yeah. So like, like this is according to MLB Network. So Dansby Swanson's getting paid ten million. Nico's seven hundred thousand. They have a, a OPS difference of point oh four, and their WAR. Uh, Dansby Swanson has a five point five point seven WAR and a four point five WAR from Nico Horner, and then. And then, and then, yeah, so they're pretty like pretty much in the yeah. same. And the batting average is higher for Nico Horner because he's such a contact hitter. It's above 300s. So, I mean, if you can trade for a guy like Nico Horner who doesn't have a huge contract, that's a huge plus for the Yankees. Yeah, and they've got guys that are coming up in the farm system as well in that middle infield. I know a lot of Yankees fans are expecting Anthony Volpe to come up, uh, Jason Dominguez at some point. He, he still has a ways to go as far as the system goes, but both of those players looking very promising in their system. So they've got some reinforcements on the way, but prospects are such a toss-up. I mean, take a look at, for example, the Phillies over the past few years, and they've never drafted great, but all of the pl- uh, prospects they relied on to be those core guys just blew up directly in their face aside from maybe Jorge Alfaro, who got them JT Realmuto. So, um, but it's going to be interesting to see how Brian Cashman tackles this. It is. Yeah, it is. But we'll see where the Bronx Bombers decide to go, if they decide to clear up cap space. Uh, you mentioned, by the way, 
Dansby Swanson. I'm, I'm assuming you had that Nico Horner stat from MLB Network because they're discussing maybe Swanson to the Cubs. Well, no, they I think they're talking about Swanson going to the Cardinals. Oh, really? Yeah, that's a huge conversation right now. They want yeah. to fill that short spot, uh, shortstop uh, spot out there, so they're comparing them due to the fact that huge rumors are going for Swanson to uh, the um, St. Louis. Yeah, I also saw some rumors that the Red Sox would have a lot of interest and they would just move Story to second base and throw Swanson at shortstop after losing Xander. That wouldn't be too bad. I mean, they've had a few nice signings this offseason, but they let Xander go and the Fan base is very, very upset with their general manager at the moment. But with that being said, we have a little over or exactly 30 minutes left in today's show as we hit the 5.30 mark. And we're going to talk about a little bit about the uh, New York Jets and Zach Wilson slash Mike White. Mike White was not cleared to resume uh, for contact in practice, obviously not in a game. And so Zach Wilson is set to start this week's game for the New York Jets. Not a position they want to be in, ranked in the number nine spot in the AFC behind the seven and six Chargers and Patriots in the AFC. What was your initial reaction when you saw the report today that Zach Wilson was going to be starting um, in slate for Mike White, Justin? Um, going into the last four games, I knew the Jets were going to have to, to fight for that seventh seed. But seeing Zach Wilson now going to be the starter just diminishes any hopes that I had for the Jets. I, and I, I'm not a Zach Wilson hater. I, I just I just don't think he's great, and I, I think Mike White is better than him. But I do think if Mike White was healthy, they still would have had a hard time because yeah. their last four games are very brutal. Yeah, it's, it's tough for them. I mean, they have all of the fight and all of the will to get in. The defense is plenty good enough, but they've had a lot of trouble. Mike White struggled in that last game as well to even stay in the game due to health reasons, and that's why he's not suiting up this week. Jack? You get to see Zach Wilson command an offense in the NFL again, at least for one week. Do you have any hope? I mean, Justin just mentioned he doesn't have any hope. Do you have any hope for this New York Jets squad to make the playoffs? Um, yeah. I mean, you gotta have some sort of hope for the Jets. I mean, they're seven and six, but you gotta you gotta realize that before Mike White came in, they had a winning record, right? They did with Zach Wilson. So barely. I mean, yeah, but still, they had they had a winning record with Zach Wilson, which is very impressive. But that's due to the defense of the Jets yeah. and. And I mean, they have the thing is they have to go against the Lions, which that's going to be tough, especially with uh, that offense is being uh, carried by Jared Goff and the two uh, two-headed monster of the running backs for the Lions, Jamal Williams and DeAndre Swift. But they have the Jaguars, who can be very competitive at points. Uh, so I mean, depending if the Jets can lock up the Jaguars' uh, offense, that could be a win for the Jets. They have Seattle. I don't see them beating Seattle just because of Geno Smith in a revenge game. And then they have to play the Dolphins. So, I mean, there is some there is some chance. That, like, they could win some games in here. Like, the only one I see them definitely losing to is the Dolphins. But the other three games, like Lions, Jaguars, and Seahawks, I mean, they're very winnable for the Jets. It's just that they got to get – they just got to get their crap together. <laughs> yeah, to say the least. And now – it not only becomes a talent problem, but it becomes a chemistry problem and a locker room problem now because the, all the players bought in to Mike White. C.J. Uzoma, Garrett Wilson, Elijah Moore, even Corey Davis was starting to see some targets. Moore just straight up hates Wilson at this point. <laughs> and now you go back to the guy who is going to restrict you each and every Sunday, and I mean, he hasn't had that much time off. I doubt he's tweaked his game that much to the point where he's just going to go out there and be a new quarterback, but... It's going to be a serious problem in that huddle. I mean, he's going to not have the attention and the motivation of a lot of those guys in that locker room now, especially the receiver room. Aiden, how do you think it's going to go on Sunday for the Jets? I mean, you're asking for a mistake putting Wilson out there, especially with all of the tensions flaring over the season, but they're fighting for a playoff spot now. 
It is a quite interesting decision, I think, personally, especially when you think about that Bills game they just played. Um, Zach Wilson was third on the depth chart. I don't know if anybody realized that. Yeah, they've been having Flacco go number two. Mike White died a few times during that game, and then Joe Flacco came in, surprised me a lot. I was like, oh, they really don't like Zach Wilson, I guess. But Elijah Moore, uh, before in the beginning of the season when Zach Wilson was the main quarterback, he was having issues. He wasn't getting the ball. Mike White comes in, Elijah Moore. It was a great game. Um, now you've got Zach Wilson coming back. It kind of seemed like that was a shot at Zach Wilson specifically. Um, now he's going to come back and rain the helm. Uh, I don't know. I kind of feel bad for Jets fans because he kind of had such a surprising year and you know a chance to make it to the playoffs, and now you've got the person you just drafted last year, was it? Uh, am I getting my... Was yeah, he, I believe was so. It last 2021, I believe, yeah. 2021, okay, yeah. So just drafted him last year, and he's already not the answer. Um, I, I hereby apologize um, from earlier in the year when I was saying that he was better than Justin Fields. I want to apologize on that one. <laughs> I, I, I didn't mean to really do that. Um, but <laughs> Yes, you did. <laughs> at the time, maybe. Yes, you but, did. You were uh, not... You're not okay. It's not. It's not okay. I'm not accepting your apology. <laughs> they, the Jets, uh, they've got some issues they need to hash out, though. Yeah, no doubt about it. I mean, when you take a look at, like you mentioned, they had Flacco at number two last week. He came in for a few times for the banged up Mike White. I'm surprised they didn't just go with Flacco this week over Wilson in general. With how he's lost that locker room, how they've slandered his name kind of in the media. I mean. I'm talking about Elijah Moore there. But at the same time, when Wilson was hurt in the beginning of the year, Flacco started in place of him, and Flacco did pretty good with Garrett Wilson. Um, Not necessarily Elijah Moore, but he led them to some key victories. The one I can remember the most, the Browns win, in which they just came back last second. And so uh, that kind of shocked me a little bit to just see Zach Wilson elevated to that point, you know, uh, over Joe Flacco, especially with the veteran kind of presence he brings. But it's going to be tough for them, and you brought up as well Jack, the Jacksonville Jaguars, and I kind of want to position the talk a little bit towards the um, AFC South before we finish off our NFL talk and get into our top five. The Titans have slipped over the past few weeks. Now it's seven and six. The Jaguars, with a few key wins over the past few weeks, five and eight. If all goes right for the Jacksonville Jaguars, they could win their division. Hey, I like Dougie P, but I don't know if I like him that much. <laughs> I, I think the Titans, they play the Chargers this week. Um, they, I, I think they lose that game. I think this is a bounce-back game for the Titans. Really? Me personally, mm-hmm. yeah, because the Chargers are known for the getting Titans into a little bit of a groove. The Titans' offense is not that good. I mean, yeah, they can't win games like that. Especially. By the way, my friend, I've been thinking about this all year. You're repping the Eagles right now. You put the Eagles all over your social media. But you were a self-proclaimed Chargers fan around draft okay. time. What's going on? Explain what? it to me, Jack. What? What? <laughs> like, I don't get what the problem is. Like, uh, there's no problem. There is isn't. Yeah. But, I mean, which one do you support more? I need to know. Well, I support the Eagles more. I've said this. Okay. All right. So. Just, just making sure. Just making sure. It's um, all right. I got an Aiden Hutchinson shirt and lots of other NFL gear, but yeah. I'm still an Eagles fan. Don't worry. <laughs> don't worry. We saw the Aiden Hutchinson shirt at uh, <laughs> class on Tuesday. Uh, that's, that one's new, too. That was a gift. Yeah, I figured. Yeah. But, um, no, I mean, Jack, just the Jaguars in general. You brought them up, and yeah. they could make a late push. Do you think they could have enough you know, late-season late efforts, late-season um I guess what I'm looking for is put together a string of late-season wins to get over the Titans as far as this AFC South hump goes. I mean, yeah, because the Titans, the their offense is not that great. I mean, they're kind of collapsing. They already fired their GM after the A.J. Brown revenge game. And, it, I mean, it shows that, like, that was one of the stupid moves that he made and, like, he shouldn't have ever done that. So, um, But, like, A.J. Brown has more 
uh, touchdowns than the entire Titans offense uh, or passing touchdowns than the entire uh, Titans offense. So, I mean, it it's they don't look that good. And the Jaguars, I mean, they're a fighting team. They have they're they're kind of like the Lions, but in the AFC. They're 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 trying to fight their way into the uh, into the playoff That's a picture. Good comparison right there. But the thing is, is like the the AFC is so. Uh, packed. I don't see them making past the wild card. The Jaguars. Whoever no. whoever plays the like whoever has that fifth seed, they're not they're not <laughs> like they're winning against the the uh, Titans or Jaguars. Yeah, the thing is they're not gonna they're not gonna make any waves in the playoffs. I don't think, barring a, a miracle from Doug Peterson and Trevor Lawrence, but they could do enough to make this kind of a culture year and, and sneak into the playoffs. Now, with that being said. They're going to have to take down the Cowboys this weekend on Sunday at 1. And, well, that's not necessarily out of the realm of possibility because the Texans took the Cowboys to the final seconds of the game this past Sunday. I don't know how that happened. It, that's just ridiculous. That I is mean, ridiculous. You're competing for a Super Bowl and you're letting a one-win team compete with you like that. Yeah. It can't happen, especially <laughs> no. as one of the quote-unquote top defenses in the league. It just Quote can't. Quote-unquote. Yeah. I, I, I don't trust that at all. Like, yeah, they, I don't, I don't trust say that. Like, the da- like Dallas, going going to them, like, I really don't like them at all. I just, uh, I mean, we all don't like them as Eagles fans, all of us. But, like, like just in general, like, after that Texans game, you have to be like, what happened? Like, mm-hmm. really, like, genuinely, like, what happened? Like, how do you let Davis Mills and, like, a, a nobody offense that, like, I, I think we, none of us can name an offensive player on that Texans team, like, genuinely. Well, did you see the amount of players they ruled out for Sunday? Yeah, I mean, that was that was tough, yeah. Damian Pierce, Brandon Cooks. Yeah. Um, what's the wide receiver they drafted recently? Nico Collins. Nico Collins, yeah. yes. Exactly. Like, like, everyone's now, out. Like, anyone healthy, like, we can't name. So like, I don't know who the receivers were that game. Exactly. I can't tell you. Like, no one can. And the fact that they gave up, like, 20, what was it, 22 points? Like, still, like, that... That's insane. Like the fact that you you had you had to go a ninety eight yard drive to win that game, and everyone's going like crazy for it. Like that's that's absurd. Yeah. Now they'll have to get past the Dallas Cowboys this week, and if they get past them, they'll have a date with the New York Jets next Thursday at eight fifteen. And I could see them winning that game if the Jets have Zach Wilson out there. It's just a matter of can the Jaguars sneak two touchdowns in to get enough cushion, and then. They face the Texans the second to last week of the year, and then the Titans with possibly the AFC South on the line. It's possible if you're a Jacksonville Jaguar. It's possible if you're a Jaguars fan. And uh, whoever would have thought we'd be talking about this at this point in the season, but we are. Uh, and that was a good comparison, by well, the way. Well, the thing with the Titans and Cowboys game, depending how the New Year's Eve game or the Christmas Eve game goes for Dallas, uh, however, that could be a fighting spot for both teams fighting to stay in the division race. Yeah, I was talking about the Jaguars. They faced the Titans on the um, last week of the season. Yeah, that too. Yeah. yeah, But I'm just saying like the Dallas-Titans game oh, on the okay. 29th is like a fight for the division. Yeah. If the Jags do their thing before they get to that Titans game last game of the season, that'll end up being a I'm Sunday saying. night football game, and that'll be the Jags for a Sunday night football game in some time now that I think about yeah, it. It's yeah, it's still to be decided as far as the date on January or the time, That's I That's every say. game, though. So because, yeah, because yeah. they don't know what's going to happen <laughs> as far as mm-hmm. when you get to that point in the season. So you're right. It could be flexed to a Sunday night football game. Who knows? Yeah. I mean, you're battling almost for a division at that point. So Jacksonville Jaguars second in the AFC South, a little interesting team to cover along with the Detroit Lions as Jack kind of compared them to it's just the same thing but in the AFC Lions have obviously a better record but hopefully I mean the Titans are just got to get it together at some point yeah they do it's it's looking bad for them I mean is Traylon Burks still out for them by the way uh yeah I believe so but the Chargers don't have a great run defense they've got quotation mark the king and quotation mark uh who had a good game last week 
but against a team now, against the Chargers that don't stop the run very well, I see him. Two touchdown game, 120-plus on the ground. Yeah, the thing with the bounce-back game is that it's not going to be like Tannehill bouncing back. It's Derrick Henry oh, yeah, bouncing back. Yeah. Yeah. Like, that's the thing with this Titans team. It's all surrounded by Derrick Henry, and they can't do anything else besides using Derrick Henry. They I mean, can't I'll take go that. I mean, you can take that, but like... Oh, I'm, I'm only taking that because I'm a Derrick uh, Henry fantasy owner. That's, that's oh, the reason well, I'm okay. taking that. <laughs> it's playoff week, man. Come on. <laughs> uh, no, I hope he has a bounce-back week just for that purpose in general, but we'll see. I mean, they're starting to slip. They look at like one of the top teams... In the AFC, but I think a lot of people thought they were a little fraudulent at least. Uh, now they're kind of showing their true colors as we get into later weeks of the season. With that being said, we're going to take a quick step off and position towards our top five segment when we get back from break. But before we head to break, it's time to check the WGLS campus calendar. Rowan University's Department of Public Safety would like to remind everyone in the Rowan community about the importance of pedestrian safety, especially while crossing Route 322. Pedestrians traveling along the Chamberlain Student Center construction site are urged to follow all caution signs and avoid directly walking onto the highway. Motorists who fail to stop for pedestrians face serious fines. Please follow state law and stop for pedestrians. This campus calendar is brought to you by Rowan Radio 89.7 WGLS-FM, your source for campus news and information. 5.43 o'clock here on this Friday edition of Offsides. Don't go anywhere. Our top five segment right after these messages. If a natural disaster comes knocking, how prepared is your family? You can't just close the door on earthquakes, floods, or hurricanes and hope they go away. That's why it's important to make a plan now. Ready.gov plan has the tools and tips you need to prepare your family for an emergency. So if disaster shows up at your doorstep, you'll be ready. Visit ready.gov plan and make a plan today. Brought to you by FEMA and the Ad Council. Tune in to Rowan Radio for a community affair with me, WGLS-FM Public Affairs Director Megan Steckler. Each week, I'll discuss with local and national newsmakers topics that affect you and your community. Get a closer look at these important issues from the people who know them best. That's a community affair the third Saturday of every month at 9 a.m. right here on Rowan Radio 89.7 WGLS-FM and also online at rowanradio.com. Imagine being fired because of who you love. Imagine being denied medical treatment because of who you marry. Imagine being evicted because of who you are. Millions of Americans don't have to imagine this. They have to live it. Because in 31 states, it's legal to discriminate against LGBT people. Get the facts at beyondido.org. Brought to you by the Gill Foundation and the Ad Council. Radio 89.7 WGLS-FM. You're tuned in to RowanRadio.com channel 2 as we resume this Friday, December 16th, 2022 edition of Offsides with your host Danny Ryan. I'm joined here alongside Justin Locke, Aiden Butler, and Jack Miller as we get set to get into our top five segment of today's episode. And fellas, today's top five segment, as you've seen already, top five Super Bowl contenders following the Eagles and 49ers clinching a playoff berth. Justin, since you're across from me, I'll start with you 
in any order. You can start at one. You can start with five. You can have no order. Who do you have as the top teams following the Eagles and 49ers clinching a playoff spot? Uh, the San Francisco 49ers, I have at five. I just, of course, I'm going back to Purdy. Could have that Cinderella run. Four, I got the Cowboys. Of course, quote-unquote top defense. Uh, but obviously, the, the Monsters in the backfield, Pollard and Zeke. And, of course, Dak Prescott. And then three, I got Bills. Of course, Josh Allen, Stephon Diggs. Even that defense is disgusting as well. Two, I got the Chiefs. I mean, you can never doubt Mahomes. Kelsey, of course. And even the uh, monsters in there, Jerick McKinnon, Isaiah Pacheco for them. And number one, got to go with the Philadelphia Eagles. 12-1, look like unstoppable on both sides of the ball. Hurts MVP candidate. AJ Browns look phenomenal, and that defense is uh, second, I believe, in uh, yards per game. So they've been really good. Yeah, we might have a reoccurring trend as far as the number one team in this top five here today. Uh, no, sure, I should have thought about that, but either way, Jack, take it away with your top five. So uh, top five. So uh, we all know Eagles, uh, Eagles, Chiefs, Niners, or the Niners. I think we all know that they're going to be Super Bowl contenders with uh, Jalen Hurts. Patrick Mahomes and that 49ers defense. I mean, you have to put them all in contention. Um, I also have the Bills in there with Josh Allen. I mean, they're on a little bit of a slide, but I think they'll be able to pick it back up once uh, um, the end of this month and January come around. And then um, I have I have put one hot takedown because I don't think the Cowboys should be in any Super Bowl contention after that Texans game. Um, putting the Bengals down. Um, Joe Burrow and Joe Mixon and Jamar Chase. I mean, Jamar Chase is back, and Joe Burrow is looking like prime Joe Burrow, as we saw last year, um, going on his run to go to that Super Bowl. So uh, Bengals are a Super Bowl favorite for me. You are one smart fella over there in that WGLS conference studio, and you'll you'll hear why in just about two short lists. But Aiden, take it away with your top five. For my five, a uh, lot of deep consideration about this. Uh, Did you at- sit in the back of your room or a corner of your room and just think about this? <laughs> uh, I sat in hours? the computer lab down the hall in uh, here and whatever. What what hall is this? Come on, man. Bozor. Bozor. Oh, I was almost. I almost said bunts. Oh, it's, it's been a long day. It's been a long day. But Academic weapon right here. <laughs> <laughs> at five, um, I do have the Bengals there at five. Uh, if you ask me at like week six or week seven, if I'm there at five, absolutely not. Yeah. But Joe Burrow's played pretty great. Uh, beat the uh, fraud accusations that were flying up earlier in the year. So I have them at five at that four spot. I have the 49ers. Uh, they're good, but th- the three teams I have ahead of them, I believe, are better. Uh, the Bills for me are that three team. Uh, Stefan Diggs um, and a quarterback who is great in Josh Allen. Um, that three spot for me. Now this one right here might... Uh, Draw some heads. Uh, believe it or not, at two. He's putting the Cowboys. He's putting the Cowboys. Oh, first of all, I, I can't even play with the Cowboys in Madden. So <laughs> I don't know. But well, that's that's his criteria. I have is all for that. The Eagles at two. Okay. Um, is that why you gave me a huge smirk when I said that originally? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, Eagles at two. They're they are the best team in the NFL, but the only team I feel like. I, they wouldn't be able to be. I think they'd be able to beat the Bills, 49ers, and the Bengals, but I don't think they'd be able to beat the Chiefs, man. Uh, wow. In the Super Bowl, I cannot bet against Patrick Mahomes. Um, yeah. I've learned that the hard way a few times, uh, but I, for that one spot, I'll put the Chiefs there. 
until there's two injuries to the Chiefs' offensive line, and then Pat Mahomes is running for his life like a Hopefully. chicken with his head yeah. off. <laughs> yeah. um, all right, I'll hop into my top five. I mean, I don't hate that at all because the Chiefs look like a juggernaut and 10-3 for a reason. No. Um, they're probably the one team that could compete with the Eagles along with the Bills and 49ers as that top four. But for my top five, I will start at number five. The Cincinnati Bengals coming at number five for me. They're at 9-4 right now. They've... Just revived their season efforts and uh, chances at really competing for a Super Bowl again after losing in the big game last year. So I'm going to go with the Bengals at number five. As Jack mentioned, Jamar Chase and basically the whole gang is back aside from Tyler Boyd. I think he got a little beat up last week with an T. injury. T. Higgins did. T. Higgins did. Did both of them get injured? No, I think it was just T. Higgins. Just T. Higgins? Yeah. yeah. I'll have to fact check my uh, sources on that one. But they'll have to get T. Higgins back in order to be really... Uh, one of the best teams in the AFC on paper to compete for the Super Bowl. But number four, uh, I think it's a fitting spot for the 49ers here. I, I just don't trust that offense heading against veteran quarterbacks that have played in the playoffs. Um, the defense can take you very far, and it's happened. As I mentioned, 2013 with Peyton Manning. But uh, I have to put them lower on the totem pole just because of the teams I have in the top three. Uh, number three, I have the Kansas City Chiefs. It's really 1A, or I guess I should say 2A and 2B between the Chiefs and the Bills for me, but I have to go uh, with the Chiefs at number three just because I think the Bills and Josh Allen, they're due for a huge playoff win. I mean, they came so close to winning a uh, playoff game in overtime last year and just weren't able to you know, get that W and move on. So I, I think I have to go with the Bills at number two with that being said, um, and then number one. It's fairly obvious uh, from an unbiased standpoint the Philadelphia Eagles, just because they have the best record in the NFL, they're looking like overall the best team in the NFL, and Jalen Hurts is starting to pull away a little bit with the MVP conversation as far as if he should win it or if Patrick Mahomes should win it. And so with that being said, we're running a little bit short here on time, about nine minutes left here on this Friday edition of Offsides. And so I want to pose this question to the entire group. As we end it off, we kind of positioned towards talking about the Kansas City Chiefs and the Philadelphia Eagles and the two guys that are leading them. If you had to choose an MVP here, December 16th, 2022, is it Patrick Mahomes or is it Jalen Hurts? Anyone can start the conversation. I'll go first for this one. Um, to fact check about Tyler Boyd and T. Higgins, uh, I lied. It, it was both of them. Uh, thank you very much. Yeah, both of them are picked up. Um, <laughs> Take my victory. Thank you. But right now, if I was an MVP voter, which hopefully you know one day that happens, um, but my vote would be casted for Mr. Jalen Hurts of the Philadelphia Eagles. There's a few reasons now. One of that is the uh, glaring interception um, ratio for both of them. Uh, Jalen Hurts with three. I believe Mahomes is up to 11 now. Keep That's in mind. A lot. I mean, he mind. does pass more. Yeah, I was going to say, keep in mind, Mahomes passes a lot more than Jalen Hurts does. That, that's true. Now, another thing that really shouldn't factor into this but does is the Eagles record. Um, the Eagles are 12-1, and one, the Chiefs are 10-3. and three. Um, But other than that, uh, Hurts has been a bit more efficient. Um, yes, I believe Mahomes has like 1,000 more passing yards, something like that. Mahomes has 511 passing attempts compared to Hurts' 388. And, and that's not a problem. He's got about 1,000 more passing yards. It's not a problem, but um, Hurts was able to kind of counter that with his rushing touchdowns. He's got, uh, I don't know if it's 10 or 11, I think it's at 10 right now. I think it's 10. Yes, um, exactly at 10. His rushing touchdowns compared to that touchdown um, interception ratio as well is what's driving the MVP conversation for him, and he is my MVP. No bias there. Are you sure? Nah, just a tad bit. <laughs> Are you sure? And Mr. I want to be an MVP voter in the future. No bias or bias with that take? 
there's there's a tad. There's not like I, I can be real biased. Like I was real biased not putting the Cowboys in my top five for the Super Bowl right there. That'll never happen. All but right. at least you can identify when you're being biased. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's definitely a close race. I mean, you have 139 rushing attempts for Hertz compared to Mahomes forty seven. He doesn't scramble out of the pocket a whole bunch unless he's trying to keep a passing play alive. But twenty two passing touchdowns compared to Mahomes thirty three passing touchdowns. It's extremely close. The one stat that I'm looking for here on, or uh, looking at here on Fantasy Pros, comparing the two QBs, guess who has more completions of 20 or more yards by a long shot? Jalen Hurts. He's got eight completions of 20 or more yards. Meanwhile, Pat Mahomes has one completion of 20, of 20 or more yards. Of 20 or more yards. That's wild. <laughs> I, I'm gonna have to fact check this. I'm not gonna take this with you know all the grains of salt, but that is absurd. If so, um, but Jack, I'll throw it to you as far as who you think should be the MVP if the season were to end today. Well, the thing for me, I mean, it, I'm, I'm not going to lie. This is pretty biased. But um, I think Jalen Hurts, reason why um, is because of a stat, is because uh, Jalen Hurts is, uh, I think it's, I think they said it was the first quarterback to throw, or to have, or no, he was the first quarterback to have 10 rushing touchdowns, but with over a 100 QB rating, uh, QB passer rating. And he has a 108 right now, which is also better than what Carson Wentz was when he was having his quote-unquote MVP season. So I think just because of that stat specifically, and the stat that you said with the 20-plus yards uh, completions, I think uh, Jalen Hurts, I mean, he's your MVP. It's just the fact that he's dynamic both throwing and running. Like, it's just it's just crazy that, like, one game, like, it was just like that game with the, um, it was Packers and then Titans. Like, the Packers, they beat them, like, 300-plus yards rushing. And then the next game, they beat the Titans 300-plus yards passing. I mean, it's just the fact that, the like, the Jalen Hurts and the Eagles are just so dynamic when it comes to throwing and running that that's one of the big reasons why Jalen Hurts is in this MVP conversation. Now, obviously, we've seen a little bit of uh, injury problems with the Chiefs. They don't have their running back. They're relying on Pacheco and McKinnon right now over there. And so, I mean, not that he was this juggernaut before he went down like uh, Derrick Henry or anything like that. And then they lose Tyreek Hill. Uh, came out actually, I believe, just about a week or a week and a half ago that Tyreek wasn't getting uh, as many targets on the Chiefs. And there were like a few games which he tallied two, three targets a game. He made it seem like he was getting that every single game, and that's why he wanted to go to Miami. That was uh, out of his own mouth. I don't buy that too much. There has to be something else there. Uh, maybe it was, but... To go from a potential dynasty like that in Kansas City to Miami, he better hopes it works out in the playoffs. But, Justin, I'll throw it to you. Uh, if the season were to end today, as I've asked Aiden and Jack, who is your MVP? And they, they left a little bit of bias in there, but unbiased, just based off the stats, based off the team's records, who is your MVP of the NFL? I guess I'm going to play devil's advocate here. I'm going to say Patrick Mahomes. Oh, okay. I'm an Eagles fan. I love Jalen Hurts, but I think the Eagles are a better built team on offense I mean the receivers wise Devontae Smith obviously AJ Brown uh the Chiefs have a way just it's like levels lower and I think Mahomes is a better passer obviously you did throw out that that um stat with 20 plus but obviously Kelsey is the main target for Mahomes obviously just Tyreek when he was there was definitely top two but I do think Mahomes does have a little bit bias with just the NFL voters as well I think Mahomes has the bigger name and hurts. Yes, he's rising, clearly a top quarterback in this league. And I just think somehow, some way, Mahomes is going to get it. I just don't know why, but I think so. By the way, completely my fault here. <laughs> I got my rushing and passing mixed up a little bit on this stat sheet. Eight more, or he has seven more 20 plus rushing attempts 
like as uh, far as gaining 20 yards on a rushing attempt than Patrick Mahomes does, which makes a lot more sense. That's now. a pretty yeah. big mistake right there. That is a pretty big mistake <laughs> right there, Danny. It didn't make sense to me. I, I was fact-checking it online. I was like, there's no way this makes sense. But, yeah, he has eight 20 or more rushing uh, yard plays than Patrick Mahomes does. But uh, it's really close, and I, if I had to pick, I'd probably lean more towards Justin's pick just because he's completely right. I mean, it's levels above where the Chiefs are right now, both offensive and defensively. The Eagles, while they are, they were a little banged up, having Dallas Goddard miss a few weeks. Uh, the defense, you know, you lose Jordan Davis for a few weeks there. Avante Maddox, um, Reed Blankenship, obviously C.J. Gardner-Johnson, and Anthony Harris just being assigned this week might see some reps out there um, against the Bears, and Dallas Goddard will be coming back. But even without some of those injuries or should I say, with some of those injuries and without some of those guys, they just looked like they didn't skip a beat. They signed Linval Joseph, they signed Adamakin Sue, and they just pick up where they left off. So I have to go, unfortunately, two versus two here and go Patrick Mahomes for my NFL MVP if the season were to end today, just because a 1,000 more passing yards, we know he passes a lot more than Jalen Hurts, so I can't take that touchdown-interception ratio with a lot of, um, you know, a lot of, Weight, I guess you could say. He throws it so much more than Hertz does and only has a passing or a completion percentage just two points lower than Jalen at 65.8 to 2.2. Jalen has a 68 passer rating, uh, sorry, completion percentage when passing. So it's definitely close, but I'm going to have to go with Patrick Mahomes just because of what he's able to do with his team. I don't think another quarterback leads them to that record at this point unless you're talking Josh Allen. Uh, some of the top elite guys. But to make me feel a little bit more confident as you wrap it up, uh -huh. um, there are a few games now that Hurts is not playing these last six, seven minutes in the fourth quarter because uh, the Eagles are up so much. That's I, true. I, that, is, that makes me feel a little bit better just saying that, though. It, you know, you're definitely right. And after the beatdown they put up against the Giants, you really saw what Jalen could do um, if he really just wants to have some fun, if he wants to – throw his best talent out there, and that secondary just got absolutely torched. Um, I'm rooting for the Giants. I am. I hope they win against the Commanders. I could I, never. I think the Commanders have been thrown a lucky set of cards, having a bye and then facing the Giants, not having a game plan for another team, while the Giants had to face the 11-1 and Eagles at the time, and now they face the Commanders again. Uh, but I, I'm rooting for them this weekend. Hopefully it's not another tie. Both teams go down to 7-5-2. and two. That would be crazy. But with that being said... Jack Miller, Aiden Butler, they go for Jalen Hurts. Myself and Justin Locke, we go for Patrick Mahomes for an even tie at two apiece. It'll be interesting to see how these two quarterbacks end off stat-wise and where they lead their teams in the NFL playoffs. But we're going to finish things off here on this episode of Offsides as we hit the 6 o'clock hour. Thank you all so much for tuning in. Hope everyone's having a nice holiday season so far. Make sure you tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Your Monday host, Larry Dealman, will be having his last show this upcoming Monday, the 19th, Aaron Hook. He'll be hosting on Wednesday, and I'll be here on Friday to finish things off before we go for Christmas break. Thank you all once again so much for tuning in, and have a great weekend, everyone. You've been listening to Offsides, a weekly roundtable discussion about the world of professional sports, featuring the diverse perspectives of the Rowan Radio Sports Department. Tune in next Monday, Wednesday, and Friday from 5 to 6 p.m. for another edition of Offsides, only on Rowan Radio 89.7 WGLS-FM.